We are thankful for Dr. King. We are thankful for our nation. We are thankful for the progress we've made. We're thankful for our freedoms. And we are thankful how God has answered prayer, that there is more to be done and God will continue to answer prayer. And we're reminded that Jesus, when he was here on earth, tore down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. And Jesus is still tearing down walls of hostility and there is unity. He prayed in John 17 for unity. And in the body of Christ, we celebrate our diversity, our unity. This is a house of prayer for all nations. And we wanna live out that unity that glorifies Jesus together. So let's continue to honor and glorify God. Let's continue to pray for our nation and build authentic friendships and go deeper in the love of Christ together. And today, uh, we want to continue to pray. We are in three weeks of praying and fasting intentionally. We're in a series called Seeking. And this is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that it's impossible to please God without faith. And as we come to him, we know he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God has called us to earnestly seek him. One of the ways we're doing that is a digital interactive prayer wall And this is new to our church. We didn't just want to talk about seeking. We wanted to participate together. And so far, already, there's over 200 people in our church family actively involved with the interactive prayer wall. And what's happening in that? It's stirring prayer. We are praying. We are celebrating. There's encouragement on the digital prayer wall. So if you haven't signed in yet, and you've kind of waited for that first group of people to check it out, you know, to see, oh, what's really happening? Now is your time, a little later, to say, you know what? I, I want to pray. I want to pray for our church family. I want to know how to pray. I want to know what the prayer requests are. The staff and the elders are sharing. And it's one of those tools and resources that we can really unite in prayer together. So that is happening. Uh, also, uh, we have the elders who are here today. They led us in prayer yesterday. Let's, let's thank the elders for all they do to, to serve and lead here. So we had a prayer time yesterday at church. Today, at the end of this message, you can come forward. And I want you to be thinking about what is the area of your life where you need prayer? Is it physical healing from God? Is there a relationship that you want to lift up to the Lord? Maybe you're ready to follow Jesus for the first time. Whatever your decision is today, you can come forward and receive prayer from the elders at the end of this message. And the focus today is on major steps of faith. Major steps of faith. The middle school students will be making major steps of faith this weekend as they gather in the snow. They have a lot more snow than we do here, but they have the same cold that we do here. But more importantly than the weather, it's what God is doing in our hearts. We want to make major steps of faith as we follow God. And we're going to look at Daniel. And maybe through these three weeks, you need some encouragement from Scripture. I encourage you as we go through Daniel today, this week, next week, spend some time in the book of Daniel. Because Daniel is someone who's really genuinely seeking God. And it's inspiring when we see what God does then and what God will do now. Let's pray. Father, thanks that we can gather. Thanks that you provide for us. God, thanks that you bring messages that we need from you through your word and through the spirit. God, you give us timely words, timely direction, timely wisdom. God, you are the one who builds us up and we thank you for your strength and your encouragement. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A relationship with God is filled with taking major steps of faith. God wants us to take major steps of faith. God calls us to take major steps of faith. 
And sometimes we want to avoid that, but major steps of faith are good, and they include conviction and courage. So what does it take to make a major step of faith? There is conviction from the Word and the Spirit, and then there is courage to move forward. What's the motive when you take those steps of faith? It's to glorify God, and the motive is to see lives changed. And we take these steps of faith together in love. Daniel is someone who takes major steps of faith. And what you see over the course of his life is that they are consistent. It doesn't matter the setting or the leader or the challenges. He's consistent. It's continuous. It's not like there's one season where you take big steps of faith. Oh, and then you don't really take them for a long, long time. There's a continuous element to taking these big steps of faith, and one can spur on another. When you take one, someone else will take one as well. And there's a wide range. Sometimes we're very narrow when it comes to faith decisions, and we just think, oh, that's when you trust Christ. That is the biggest faith decision. But there are so many different aspects of our life where God is calling us to take a step of faith. Maybe you've been sensing that lately in your relationship with God. God has been stirring you and saying, it's time to take this step of faith. Daniel responds, and the context is Babylon. It's not where they want to be. Maybe today in your life you think, this is not exactly how I wanted things to go. This is not where I want to be. The Israelites are in exile. Why? In their case, they had rebelled against God. Because of idolatry, now God disciplines them, and they're in Babylon. Babylon's a difficult place to be, and they are transitioned in waves. The first wave, Daniel, 605 BC, off to Babylon. Then 597, here comes Ezekiel and another group. And then 586, what happens? Jerusalem is destroyed, even the temple, the city. And it's one wave after another. Maybe you feel like you've had one wave of challenges after another. Well, Daniel's name means God is my judge. They're gonna change his name. He has a name that glorifies God, and they're going to give him a name with a false God. And not just him, but there's others. This book of Daniel focuses on four. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. And then also Mishael, who is what God is. Or would we like to say there's no one like our God. And then also Azariah, the Lord helps. Four Hebrew boys. They're teenagers and probably 16 years old. And what happens? Their locations change, their cultures change, language change, name change. Here comes all the change. Maybe you've had more change than you wanted. It's a time of testing for them. In a time of testing, you need a secure identity in Jesus. You need depths with God. Testing will reveal your depths with God. Testing, you don't want to wait until things get difficult before you think, you know, maybe I'll go deep with God. Going deep with God gets you ready for the testing that does come, will come. That kind of testing for these four teenage boys, they're going to make some major faith decisions. And we can relate to some of these decisions, and they're in three different areas. We're going to highlight three different types of decisions. The first one, the devoted private steps when no one is watching. Major faith steps include no one watching, private decisions that you make. What does that look like in their lives? Chapter one, verse eight in the book of Daniel, 
we read that Daniel's responding and he resolves not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. What was happening? There was food presented to Daniel and the four and they decided we're not gonna do that. They resolved that we will not defile ourselves. That's an important resolution in our culture today. Resolve that I will not defile myself. Defilement in that context looked like foods that were unclean, that were against the Mosaic law. Preparations for the food that were against the Mosaic law. And then food that was offered to false gods. And they knew they would not take part in the food offered to the false gods. They resolved that they would not defile themselves and that was a clear decision. It started with conviction and courage and then God blessed. Conviction and courage and then God moved. What happened? God caused the official and the official was in a scary position because if the official doesn't provide food or enough food for these young teenagers and they are not nourished, he would be killed. Because the king had preparations for these four that included all of the food, wanting them to be strong. There's a lot on the line for the official, but God caused favor. The official had sympathy and said, yes, Daniel, you don't defile yourself. For 10 days, Daniel and the boys, they just had vegetables and water. And what happened after 10 days? They looked more well-nourished than the people who had all the food. God did a work there. They were resolved to honor God and God moved with favor. In chapter one, verse 17, the favor continued from their decision and to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. As they resolved to follow and honor God, God gave them wisdom, God gave them knowledge, God gave them gifts including the interpretation of these dreams. Notice that there were four of them. God blessed them with a team. If God gives you a great team at work or church, gives you some other people with a shared purpose and passion, that's a blessing. And while they were in a system in a nation where King Nebuchadnezzar was preparing them, actually God was preparing them. You might be at a job or in a situation where you're serving or in a church here or in a community service where there's a system and you're trying to figure things out. You might even be in a nation where sometimes things are going the wrong way, but you know what? God is preparing you more than anyone else. And God was preparing these four for what he had called them to do, what they would step into. They had 10 times more wisdom than all the magicians and enchanters. That's what the Bible says. God will strongly support those who are fully committed to him. Your major faith step today might be a recommitment to God to not defile him, to not give in to the patterns of the world and to live for him in a place that looks more and more like Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar then had a dream and he, well, when he gave this, it really wasn't that fair <laughs> and there was a lot of people upset, but he even killed people over this. He was looking for someone that not only would tell him his dream, but then also interpret the dream. And we already read that Daniel's resolve to honor God, God gave him abilities to interpret dreams, and Daniel was in a tough spot. Chapter two, verses 17 and 18, 
we read Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He asked his three friends to pray, not in public, but behind the scenes. Behind the scenes prayer is where God moves over and over again in scripture and in our lives. When someone who's being tested, when someone who's in a difficult spot, when someone sees something happening that's disturbing, decides to go to the prayer closet and get on the knees and pray and cry out to God, God shows up and God moves. You can't read the Bible and not see this over and over and over and over again. If you're in a difficult spot right now, tell a few friends to pray behind the scenes, quietly. No one knows you're doing it, but you get on your knees and cry out to God. As a family, you cry out to God together. No one else knows, but you're seeking God. And God shows up. God revealed the dream in this time of testing. Uh, I had flashbacks to high school math where I would be like perplexed, puzzled, quadratic equations. God, please help me. And it would be like a little tutoring, go to bed, wake up the next morning and something clear, something jostled, something was revealed. It's like, oh, thank you, God. I made it through high school math. Didn't make the mistake in college of taking math. But God will meet you in, in whatever situation you're in and God reveals. And as that happens, this is what Daniel says. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God, my father, you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Have you ever been talking to someone who prays a lot and they say something or they know something and you're just like, how did you know that? Like no one told you that. Like what is going on? There is something that happens with wisdom and discernment when you are a praying person that God reveals, God shows you things from his word, God shows you things about life. And I'm telling you, for those who seek him with all their heart, he will reveal deep and hidden things that are not known. Go to God. He has all the wisdom. He's generous. He reveals. He deposits that. And Daniel celebrates God's goodness. Daniel, situation after situation, resolve to pray, resolve to not defile myself, resolve when no one's looking, can continue to seek God and trust God with the results. Daniel will pray for his city, pray for Jerusalem. In Daniel chapter nine, verses 18 and 19, we get a glimpse, because sometimes we wonder, what does Daniel pray? What do his prayers look like? He cries out, give ear our God and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. 
We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Do you hear him pouring out his heart? You could pray that for Auburn. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people, they bear your name. You can pray that for our nation. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear. Lord, act. Is Daniel the one who's drenched in sin? He's resolved to follow God. But he's praying, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. God, forgive us in Auburn. God, forgive us in this nation. For we've gone astray. We've dishonored your word. God, forgive us. Heal our land. Heal our land. If you don't know how to pray for your city, for your nation, you just open up Daniel chapter nine and just start to pray what Daniel prayed. And as you pray that, suddenly your own heart's gonna be opened up and you're gonna add some more words and you're gonna add some more. And the burdens you've been carrying because of things you've been seeing, all of a sudden those burdens turn into prayers and you pour out your heart to God and God hears those prayers. The changing of nations happens oftentimes when no one is looking, God's people are praying. God's people are praying. Be encouraged when you see what God, how he moves through Daniel's life. And in Daniel chapter 10, 21 days, he humbles himself. And there's breakthroughs. There's spiritual breakthroughs. Do you know that the battles you're in can be won on your knees? Do you know that the pressure rolls off when you get on your knees? Do you know that the battle belongs to the Lord? Sometimes, as someone who analyzes all the time, I need to think less and pray more. Sometimes I'm overconfident in my own flesh. I think if I just think more, if I just think more, if I just analyze more, if I just think more, and actually the answer is stop thinking and get on your knees and pray. Humble yourself and pray. Because the battle is not gonna be won in your own might, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's not gonna be one more effort and one more thought and one more thing you say. It's gonna be on the knees that God will move. One of the hard things about fasting is giving up food. It literally means to cover the mouth. One of the great things about fasting is the gain, the intentional gain. And the upside, the benefit of fasting is an intentional add. I don't know where you're at with fasting so far, I ask you to consider an ad that'll really bolster your relationship with God. It could be prayer. Okay, I'm not eating as much food, but I'm really diving into prayer. That's a great ad. Or it could be scripture. I'm not eating my favorite desserts, but you know what? I'm feasting on the word of God these three weeks. Or it could be sharing your faith. You know what? I'm not doing the things I like with food, but I'm looking around and I'm praying for people and I'm serving people and I'm sharing my faith with people during these three weeks. What is your ad? What's your ad? Is it prayer? Is it scripture? Is it reaching out and serving and sharing your faith with people? Consider during these three weeks, as there's less food, consider what the great ad could be. In Daniel, that addition of prayer in his life when no one's looking, it makes all the difference. All the difference. It's kind of hard sometimes for a husband and wife in marriage, there's tension, 
But what happens when they go, both go seek God and pray and humble themselves? They come back different, don't they? It works on all levels. Family, church, city, nation. This is clear. A major step of faith. Private steps when no one's looking. And then this second one we see in Daniel's life. Bold public steps that align with God's word. Bold public steps. Nebuchadnezzar, when you have a king, that can be kind of intimidating. Does anyone think their boss is intimidating? Their dad's intimidating, their mom, their grandparents, uh, people you know who might have a lot of money, who have a lot of positions, who have a lot of power. Do you ever get intimidated by someone? I would say Nebuchadnezzar would be like the top of the could be intimidated by list for Daniel. And yet, what does Daniel do with courage? He stays aligned with God's word. And in chapter four, verse 27, again, Nebuchadnezzar has his dream and it's a pretty intense dream. And Daniel rebukes the king. Daniel says, therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. See, this dream included seven years where the king would lose his mind and God was disciplining him for seven years. Now, Daniel says this to warn him because throughout scripture, God's merciful. And if someone will turn away from sin and turn back to God, God has mercy, not wrath. But the king, even though he's warned, isn't gonna change and there's gonna be literally seven years of insanity, seven years where this king is struggling. And it's to show, and this is a major theme of the book of Daniel, it's to show that the most high is sovereign. This king thinks he is top over everyone, looks down on everyone. And God will show the king that no king, actually, I'm above you and I will humble those who have pride. I will humble those who have pride. Daniel steps in and gives that warning. The king doesn't listen, but after seven years, there's gonna be restoration. And the king is gonna learn from this and he's gonna give glory to God at the end of these seven years. And I remember back at the University of Iowa and I was praying because there was a group of athletes and I knew a lot of them would play in the NFL, right? A group of football players. And I was praying, what's the message I should give? And I felt God gave me Daniel chapter four. And I just stood there. It was a scary thing to deliver, but I just stood there. And my message to the athletes is that there is one who's above you. And he is the most high. And if you have pride, he will humble you. And I just remember there weren't a lot of amens. There weren't a lot of thanks. That was a great message. And I just walked out of there like, I think I was faithful and uh, I'm trusting you, God. And there's gonna be times where there's people that it's not easy to share a message with. And you know what? The king didn't wanna listen. And then seven years, but then uh, at the end of that time, what happens? Then he praised the most high. And he said, his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Those were the words that came out of Nebuchadnezzar's mouth. Has God ever humbled you? 
and really broken down your pride. And it's painful, but it leads to praise. Because now we're back in our right spot. And Nebuchadnezzar goes through that for seven years. And that's a difficult thing. The successor, Belshazzar, you'd say, learn from that, right? Wouldn't it be good if we learn from our parents what they did well, what they didn't do well? Like, we want to learn, right? We want to, for the next generation, set our kids up for success. Like, we want to learn when we read about the Israelites. We want to learn from the early church what they did really well. We want to be learning. Belshazzar, the next king, was not learning. And he stepped in with pride. Do you know how his pride was demonstrated? He took the goblets, he took these cups, they were from the temple in Jerusalem, and he filled them with wine, and he had wives and concubines. If anyone in the Bible has wives and concubines, they are not listening to God. That, that's just really clear. And he took these goblets, filled them with wine, they're just down in wine, the wives and concubines, and you know what they do? They give praise to the false gods, the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and stone. And they give all the praise holding these goblets that were gods in the temple. And they're holding it like the world is in my hands. And then God shows Belshazzar that the world is not in your hands. Actually, you are in my hands. And then brings a literal hand that's writing on a wall, many, many Tarkal Parson. Well, what does that mean? King Belshazzar, you've been found wanting. You've been measured in the scales. Your life, your pride is measured in the scales. You're found wanting. Well, in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, we read, But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself. Though you knew all this, instead you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Once again, Daniel rebukes the king. Daniel in a public space has a voice for God. Say, well, Daniel, you could lose your job. I'm gonna honor God and say what he's called me to say. Daniel, you could lose your life. I'm gonna honor God and be faithful to God and let the chips fall where they may because I trust God with the results. Daniel, this is risky. You know what happens? God ends the life of the king that day and Daniel is gonna be raised up third highest rank. And then you're wondering, well, does it always work out that way? No, it doesn't. John the Baptist said to Herod, Herodias, Herod, you're married to your brother's wife. You're married to your half-sister. John the Baptist, in the public's place, declared the righteousness of God about marriage, adultery, purity. He put it out there in public. Did he get exalted to third highest in the land? No, he had his head served up on a platter. You see, it's not about whether it's gonna go this way or that way, whether they're gonna like me or not like me, whether they approve or they don't approve. It's about people who have a conviction. They've heard from God. And in the public space, they have courage and they're gonna stand for God. That's a major step of faith. 
People who don't want a major step of faith, they just stay quiet. Let's just be passive. Let's just watch. Oh, yeah, things are getting bad. Ooh, things are getting worse. Oh, no one's saying that. Oh, and, uh, and then they try to pretend I'm not an ambassador. I'm not a priest. I'm not a minister. You are an ambassador. You are a priest. You are a minister. And God already has called you to that. God's gonna give you everything you need to shine the light in the darkness. Just like he did for Daniel, he will do that for you. Major steps of faith that Daniel takes. What is God calling you to do? You know, some people wonder, where's the mission field? The mission field is wherever your feet are. If your feet go to where you live in your neighborhood, that's the mission field. If your feet go to work, that's the mission field. If you're going and playing a game with other people, that's the mission field. Wherever your feet are, that's the mission field. And then God calls us to move our feet. Sometimes he says, I want your feet over there. I want you to move your feet. I'm so grateful that together we're moving our feet for kids that don't have clean water. We had a team from Grace moving their feet yesterday, 12 degrees 12 degrees, right? That's a good temperature to stay inside. Why would we have people from Grace going out to walk, to run on Saturday with 12 degrees? Because they want to move their feet for clean water for people. Uh, God calls us to do things. Drive through prayer. Wouldn't you agree with the weather that Friday night would be a good night to cancel drive through prayer? Was that canceled? That wasn't canceled because there were people out there who wanted to offer prayer. See, moving your feet is not the easiest thing to do, but God calls us. He's always called to move our feet. Acts chapter 13, verses two and three. They're fasting, they're praying. God, as we fast and pray these three weeks, God is gonna call. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and that tells us, listen to the Holy Spirit. When you fast, when you pray, don't just talk. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit more than you listen to your favorite podcast, more than you listen to the people in your life, more than you listen to me today. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And they're thinking, wait, those are like two of our top leaders. Like we can't send them out from the church. Those are our top guys. And God's saying, yes, because I love the nations, I'm sending out Barnabas and Saul. After they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. We're a sending church. Do you know, we have three missions trips and, and I wanna highlight, update. Two of them are for this summer, Slovenia and Honduras. In each missions trip, there's about four places that are being held right now. Really need four more people to conclude, to go on the trip. Who is God calling? Don't go if your name's not on it, but just pray. God, one of these trips, there's another trip, Cambodia, Christmas time. That one's actually filling up. That one's a lot of people ready for Cambodia. It's amazing. Together by faith, we're supporting 200 kids in Cambodia. We partner with 200 kids as a church. Now God, the next step, we didn't even have this plan. God now is sending a group to go to Cambodia. There's a link between our church and Cambodia. See, when we fast and pray and we say, here I am, God, God starts to move and do things that we can't plan. God has direction and we move our feet and we say yes to God and it's gonna include public, it's gonna include faith, it's gonna include courage, and that's the place where Daniel is 
and he makes those consistent steps a major faith. Well, here's the third area, faithful steps that inspire and leave a legacy. In Daniel, again, we see integrity, purity, and devotion. If you choose integrity, purity, and devotion, don't expect everyone in your family, don't expect everyone in your neighborhood to be like, awesome, love it that you go to church. Love it that your morality looks different than mine. Love it that you view the world different than me. Love it that you believe the Bible. Don't expect that. Daniel chose integrity, purity, and devotion, and what happened? There's resistance. There's opposition. See, Jesus said it this way. The opposition and the tension's already there. Light and darkness, the tension's already there. The kingdom and those against Jesus, the Antichrist, it's already there. But it's played out over and over again. With Daniel, this is how it was played out. He was committed to pray three times a day. This is the habit he cultivated with prayer. Three times a day, there's nothing in the Bible that says you should pray three times a day. Uh, but for Daniel, that was the conviction. And you might have something that God's called you to do. Like it doesn't say read through the Bible in a year, but that might be your conviction is that you're gonna read through the Bible in a year, three chapters a day. So different convictions, and it's not a formula, it's descriptive, but this is what happens. Daniel's devoted. And you know what challenged me as I came to know the Lord? I thought how devoted I was for athletics, for soccer. I, my devotion with soccer on so many things was like the utmost. And then I came to know Jesus and I thought, if I'm that devoted to soccer, how am I just gonna like bring a, a half devotion to God? You know, if I get up early for soccer, if I'm going the extra mile for soccer, like if I'm always working on kicking and dribbling and diving, if I'm always going all out for soccer, how could I just come follow Jesus and be like, oh, this is totally different. You can just kind of chill. You know, it's like, and I'm not saying you earn your salvation, you can't, but with Daniel, there's a passion around cultivating these habits to grow in his relationship. And as he does that, there's persecution. Now, first there was King Nebuchadnezzar, then Belshazzar. Then you know what happens? The Medes and Persians take over instead of the Babylonians. And now Darius is the king. So we've got another king. We've got more tension. And some of Darius's leaders, they're against Daniel because he loves God. Some people are gonna be against you simply because you love God. Let's catch them. Let's trap them. And they come to the king. Hey, King Darius, how about this? Anyone who doesn't pray to you it's thrown in the lion's den. If they're not praying to you, they go in the lion's den. What do you think, king? And king in pride, you know, some people are gonna appeal to your pride and you're like, yeah, no one prays to anybody but me. That sounds great. Throw them in the lion's den. It's like, oh, come on, king. Pride, wisdom, king, wisdom. People try to butter you up, flatter you with your pride. Oh, I just think you're so good at this. I just think you're incredible at this. Oh, that was so amazing. Wow, I love that. You're so talented. And, and then at the same time, they're like stabbing you in the back, right? So they make it, it's like, king, you're so awesome. Let's get Daniel. It's not about the king. And, and the king's like, ooh, pray to me. That sounds wonderful. Sure, 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 sure. There's people who just dish out the compliments to you because they just want you to say, sure, 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 sure. They're working you. They're manipulating you. Well, they do that to the king. He says, that sounds great. Daniel continues to pray. He's devoted to God. Chapter six, verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. This is a man who knows if he's caught praying, he's gonna be thrown in the lion's den. 
Did he change? Did he stop? Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Nothing will change, even if the cost is high. Then these men went up as a group, found Daniel praying and asking God for help. He got in trouble because he was asking God for help. And what happens? Thrown in to the lion's den. Say, that's intense, that kind of persecution. Jeff King, president of International Christian Concern, says this. If you are a Christian right now in Nigeria, right now in Nigeria, you're wondering if your village is next. And you're wondering if you're going to live through the night. Daniel prayed, he's gonna be thrown in the lion's den. We have Christians all over the world just because they love Jesus or if they pray or if they get baptized or if they share their faith, they're going to be killed. They're gonna be thrown in jail. This is not a reality as much in our country, but we can't just look at our country. We thank God for the freedoms we have, but be mindful of the situation in the book of Daniel. For us, it's like, oh, I wonder what that would be like. I'm telling you, your brothers and sisters around the world are living right here, what we're reading about. And Daniel makes a decision, and we've got millions of Christians today making decisions. How am I gonna live with that intense persecution? And the king kind of feels bad, so he doesn't have any entertainment or eat or sleep. And then the next morning, Daniel, are you there? Oh, king, live forever. And Daniel, he ends up, this is my sanctified imagination, but he ends up just, sleeping that night on the lion's belly. Peaceful, relaxed, God tamed the lions, God can do it. And he comes out giving glory to God and the king says, glory to God, glory to God, the living God, and it turns around. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Think about legacies, Daniel's legacy. When we hear Daniel in the lion's den, we celebrate. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, again, with prayer and fasting, New people stepping up, new leaders, new vision, committing these people to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. God was setting up legacies, setting up elders, blessing the next generation. Daniel's faith is gonna encourage the other three. For generations, Daniel's faith inspires us. We are sitting here today ready to make major steps of faith. Why? Because God is good. And we're reminded of God's faithfulness and goodness in the life of Daniel. And we start to think, I can take some major steps of faith today. I can respond to God today like Daniel responded in a culture that's going the wrong direction. I can live for God. Daniel had no idea on Auburn Way, people were gonna be reading about, inspired by his devotion to God in Babylon and yes to God in the face of adversity and opposition. You have no idea the legacy you leave with your kids and your grandkids, with the people in your life group, with the people in your church, with future generations. You have no idea. Your major steps of faith bring blessing beyond what you can imagine. It's a legacy. It's a legacy. Think of the legacy of Dr. King with his step of faith. With the inequality, what did he say? I'm gonna stick with love because hatred is too big of a burden to bear. And he realized, looking at Jesus, looking at scripture, darkness 
will never drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hatred will never drive out hatred. Only love can do that. Legacy, when you choose Jesus, when you choose scripture and you live with major steps of faith, you leave a legacy and others will be inspired. Others will imitate. Others will join you. And pretty soon there's a movement. We need some major steps of faith these days. Auburn is not gonna change with just a little slight gradual thing. America, in terms of moral and spiritually, is not gonna change if we just adjust a couple songs in church. The pivot happens when God's people are listening to the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and take major steps of faith. They're not glued to fear or tradition. They're not glued to the approval of other people. They are listening to God and they're taking major steps of faith together. Let me ask you, what major steps of faith is God calling you to take? For Daniel, it's this, I will live for God. I will have biblical convictions. I will fast and pray and seek God. I will trust God. I am willing to suffer. I will aim for faithfulness. I will be bold with my words. I will stand for God in public spaces. I will leave a legacy full of faith. I will be mindful of future generations. I will serve. When I boil down Daniel's life, those are convictions with courage that he lives out. Let me ask you today, what are your major steps of faith? How will you respond to God? I'm going to uh, ask the elders to come forward now. And as the elders are up front, this is a time for prayer. Literally, you can walk forward with major steps of faith. Major steps of faith to say, I need prayer. That's a major step of faith. I need healing. I need God's touch. Or you're taking a step of faith to say, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna get baptized. Or you're taking a step of faith to say, I've heard from God. Pray for me. I know I'm supposed to go on this missions trip or pray for me. I've got a job decision. I need God's wisdom. What's your major step of faith that God is leading you to take? And now this is a time to pray, to bring it before the Lord, to commit it to the Lord. What has God been speaking to you in this first week of prayer and fasting? How are you responding to God? If there's one major step of faith in your life right now, what would you say that is that God is calling you to take? We've looked at Daniel's life. Maybe God's used that to stir in your spirit. What is the major step of faith God is calling you to take? Let's pray for this time of prayer. God, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for caring for us, giving us conviction and courage. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't look sideways or go back. But just like we've seen with Daniel, we would take the step of faith forward. Guide each person now to put their trust in you to rely on you, to submit to you, to live for you. Guide us individually and together. We pray in Jesus' name.